This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin and my sidekick, Lucas Peterson. How are you, Lucas? I'm doing really well. How are you, Kim? I'm doing good. I'm very excited today because we have Brian Lee, trader extraordinaire, joining us. And I'm very happy to have you here, Brian. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, Kim. Thanks for having me. I I really love this podcast, and I hope that a lot of the people who are in my community are open to listening to some of the older episodes because I really, really like these episodes a lot, and I hope you guys keep doing more. Thanks, Brian. What, what, if it's okay to just, you know, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but what is it you like about them? What do you think about what would be valuable for those people that you're talking about? Yeah, so this podcast and part of the reason why I was drawn to Kim in general was just that she brings a totally different perspective to the world of trading. You usually hear people talk about all the, you know, the, my trading technicals, my strategy, things like that, whereas the, psych, the psychology behind it and not more importantly, Uh, Some of the things that Kim talks about is more like the self-care aspects of it or just the self and the emotional aspect of it. And I feel like the more that I've found that consistency and success in my journey, the more that I feel it's important to kind of build that relationship with yourself. And I think that this podcast does an excellent job of relating it both to traders, but also just your entire perspective on life. And I think that's very, very important because, um, you know, for a lot of people who are starting with trading, they want to know, how do I get to be where you are? How do I get to be successful? But I think that once you kind of, you know, get your um, needs met monetarily, um, you kind of look for more and you want to understand more about yourself because that's kind of what we do this for. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. So this podcast is a really great resource for that inner work. And let me ask you, Brian, you know, which of course I want you to explain to the viewers that maybe see this that don't know who you are. Let me just ask you first, what do you think made you conscious or present to the fact of that which you just spoke of? Like, what do you think made you aware that that self side might be just as important as that, you know, skill side, so to speak? Yeah, so I've been aware for quite some time, and it's primarily because I was successful in another endeavor, which was, if you guys don't know that, I I was a competitive gamer. I was one of the top uh, players in the world for quite some time, and uh, I kind of understand what it means to reach a high level of success, but feel unfulfilled or not empty inside, but uh, that there has to be more to this equation. And so because of that experience, when I went into trading, um, I kind of had the perspective of somebody who kind of knew what it would be like at the end of the road. So I was kind of more introspective about my journey, uh, specifically because trading in general is more of a financial journey. And I think for a lot of people, uh, when they have to worry about the next bill being paid, they can't really necessarily think about the other things in life. And I just had the luxury and the privilege to have had success otherwise so that I could 
um, have a different perspective on success versus just having this grind um, endlessly. And so in my own personal journey, it's just been a lot about how do I balance uh, my pursuit and my competitive drive, wanting to be the best, but also uh, take care of myself. And so that, to me, that's very important because, and primarily it's because I've experienced kind of the sacrifices on the high end of success. What do you need to do to kind of get there? And, you know, I lost a lot of time with uh, my family and friends and things like that. So that's something I feel regretful about in, in some capacity because you don't really get that time back. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about the journey you've had in, in as much detail as you're comfortable with, you know, and how old you are too when the journey for, for your being a professional gamer really began because you were pretty young. Yeah, I, I started in high school. So that was back um, before 2010. So over, well over a decade ago. Um, I did speak to this a lot in, in my other podcast. I did one with uh, Confessions of Market Maker and uh, Chow Trader. So if you guys are interested, I go into a lot of detail there. But essentially, uh, I've always wanted to be a professional gamer from a young age. And I gave everything I had to that, that cause. I dropped out of university gave myself one year to achieve this, you know, task to compete for a million dollars. And uh, I achieved it just from pure uh, force of will and, and uh, just never giving up. And um, at the tail end of that experience, I realized that um, when I got eliminated from this tournament, I felt a release of all the emotions that I was kind of holding inside of me because um, when you want something really badly, you just repress, you repress, you just keep working, you keep going, keep moving. It, you don't really pay attention to how things around you are going, like your health and all that. And uh, eventually I did develop kind of like a, a physical um, ailment with my wrist, where it was just kind of overused. You know, like I would imagine that uh, the amount of clicking and, and just like slamming the keyboard and everything like that would be an, enough for a lifetime of an individual um, just playing, you know, 16, 18 hours a day. And so uh, that led me to kind of have to take a step back from, from gaming and uh, kind of also losing the motivation with it because um, it's, a, it's also a team sport. And when you have to rely on other individuals, like you never really know what's going on with them. And if one person really isn't feeling so hot, they can kind of sink the boat. And I always tried my best to, to be the best I could for everybody. And I kind of got fed up with having to rely on other people so with trading, I found a lot of parallels to, to gaming. And I love that in this competition, it's really all about that self-sufficiency. And for me, I was able to kind of realize my potential by just putting in the work for myself. I am my own boss and I can kind of take care of everything. And the results um, for myself just speak, for, speak to that. And I really disliked parts of my gaming career, even though I don't regret doing it because, um, you know, it just really makes you doubt yourself when you can be dragged down by other people's uh, negative feelings and the perspectives. Just, you know, one of the things that got me through that first year um, was just constantly telling people, hey, this is a journey and we're going to lose. We're going to lose here. We're going to lose here. We're going to lose here, but we're always going to be growing. So I'm having that growth mindset. A lot of people uh, in the gaming industry are very young, immature, and they don't understand uh, when they lose, they get really toxic and uh, defensive 
And, uh, you know, in trading, that's, that's really what it's all about. You have to be able to lose. You have to be able to learn. And because of that resilience I had in gaming, it, it transferred over perfectly. It's like one-to-one to trading. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that experience. What do you think distinguished your ability, even in gaming, to realize that loss was going to be the road to this true success? Like what, at such a young age, what do you think you saw that the other gamers of your, you know, that time didn't see? I think it, it's just perspective. So it's kind of reverse engineering what you want. So when you kind of have that goal, um, instead of just having this fluffy goal where you, you don't know how you're going to achieve it, rather the way I look at it is if I want to be, you know, competing at this tournament, I need to assemble a team. We need to practice this amount of time. Uh, these are, you know, I, I was innovative in my scene because North America is traditionally very weak at certain games. And so I had my team completely shift our schedule to a European schedule to compete early in the morning, like 3, 4 a.m., uh, just to compete with the better competition, even though we had certain disadvantages, like we would lag, we'd have more ping and stuff like that, which is a very big deal in that game. But um, I knew the sacrifices that we need to make in order to achieve our highest potential. So just kind of reverse engineering, mm-hmm. what would a professional do? What do the best teams look like? How is their attitude? And when you kind of have role models, you can, you know, if you kind of embody uh, what they do, what they share, what you see that they, you know, why they got to where they are, it's not so difficult as long as you can just roll with the punches and keep letting your skills uh, compound over time from just absorbing as much as you can and, and just not thinking so hard about the doubt and just kind of believing almost blindly in the fact that if you do what you got to do, um, you may just get there. And I, I do believe that uh, with time and effort, if you just have the ability to stay mentally strong, uh, you can achieve a lot. I don't, I don't know about, you know, becoming the next Elon or, you know, running Amazon or something like that. But uh, with things like this, where you see other people achieving a result, if you feel like if they've kind of shown you a path, it's easier to kind of believe in it. Mm-hmm. For sure. The other thing I heard you speak to is I'm hearing that you were very strategic you know, the reverse engineering is really you being strategic at the landscape of what's required to win the war. And also that, you know, saying they talk about with generals that they're willing to lose certain battles to win the war. And that's what it sounds like you were very conscious of at the time. Oh, yeah. And it's honestly a lot of uh, the lessons I learned early on uh, was that, if you just work really hard, uh, if you outwork your competition, then it will show. And I and I was lucky to learn that from uh, my parents. They just work extremely hard. So uh, yeah. for me, working hard was not um, something I was shy about. But I always did kind of resent that I felt like I had to work a little bit harder than other people. I don't know if it's just that they're not showing it. But for me, everything has been extremely challenging, including trading. And uh, I just work my ass off. And it kind of, it, it pays off in the end if you just, you know, just put in the put in the hours. Yeah. Tell us about your transition into trading. When did that begin? Yeah. So, I, as a as a gamer, uh, towards the end of it, I I didn't have a college degree, so uh, I didn't know what to do, and I was kind of at a loss. So, 
I, I tried all kinds of things uh, to reinvigorate myself in gaming. So one of the last stints I did was I actually con- I moved to Europe for a couple months to uh, compete. And um, I really didn't want to move out of the U.S., but I, I realized that if I wanted to compete at the highest level, I had to go international. It was really uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy the experience. Um, on paper, we had a great team that could compete. But as always, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. There's always going to be people with just bad relations. A lot of my teammates were bickering nonstop. And uh, we unfortunately just barely missed the mark to, to qualify for this very major tournament. And while I was there in uh, Romania, I was like, man, this is depressing. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go to another uh, country uh, to compete. It's not even what I want to do. So I was looking for ways out. And I had always been interested in, in trading. I thought trading would kind of be the thing I did after I succeeded when I had money so yeah. I could invest it. But instead, I just started looking into it more and more, looking for something I could do without a degree. And uh, trading, you know, they do a really good job of inspiring you, all the, all the <laughs> fake gurus and stuff like that. And, and there's something to be said about that because, yeah. um, you know, like I realized that when people ask me about trading, I'm always like, oh, you can, you know, you have to start slow. You you got to risk a certain amount of money. You got to be safe. You could blow up your account and they don't want to hear that. Like that doesn't get anyone inspired. A lot of times people, they want to, they want to be inspired first and then learn. So it, you know, that's how most people get into trading. They get inspired. And so I got inspired and I just kind of followed the whole uh, path of watching the YouTube videos, everything. And um, I just decided then and there that I wanted to go for trading. And so I kind of quit gaming just just woke up every single day trading, treating it seriously, uh-huh. even though it was paper trading. And then uh, I went, once I felt that I put in a full year of effort studying as much as I can, um, that's when I decided that I was going to put real money in the market. And I didn't really know what I was doing and lost <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> and, and how uh, long ago was that? When, when you oh, started a year into it? Maybe... Maybe uh, four or five years ago. Wow! When I started dabbling in, yeah. So a year in, you you wound up getting some hard, painful lessons about. Yeah. What What did you What What's it that you had the hard, painful lessons about? Well, uh, paper trading is not the same as trading, so that that's one thing. The uh, the amount of things you can get away with that you don't really understand the like the market uh, mechanics like. Uh, you know, you can't just buy like 10,000 shares um, if there's no no one to take the other side of the trade. So like it, w- it was really easy to say, okay, I'm just going to buy like 10,000 shares at the open and sell it five seconds later. And well, I just made a lot of money. Like, you know, it's just very unrealistic. Uh, I had to learn that uh, trading, you need like a proper strategy. <laughs> and um, and how well, did you handle that moment? Like when you got, okay, this is not working or this is not working the way I expected it to. What, what is it that you, what, what did you kind of say to yourself? What, was it like, I have to get another strategy or was there a demoralization present? Just give us a little taste of what that was like for you. I, it actually came down to me realizing that um, I was just cheaping out on myself. You know, a lot of people, they uh, pick the lowest cost, uh, service, uh, product. And, um, I was like, you know, I put so much time into this and I'm losing a lot of money. Like, uh, the least I could do is actually invest in my own education. Wow. And so, um, 
the strategy that I kind of adopted was I was looking for the person who is not necessarily the most marketed. I was looking for people who had a strong opinion, a lot of conviction, like they kind of felt like they had a chip on their shoulder, like they saw something wrong with the way things were done, Uh, but also didn't sell themselves short in terms of like, you know, charging, just trying to accumulate as many subscribers as possible. It's more like somebody who can give you more personal attention. And so um, I found people like that where I could put money into it. And I also uh, realized from a really like early on that I saw all the best traders were using like higher end platforms, like higher end brokers. And so I said, you know, I'm going to stop using, you know, like this broker that doesn't really support me, these platforms. Like I'm going to, even though I was paper trading, I was paying like $150, $200 a month just to use DOS trader because I knew ultimately as a, as a trader, I wanted to be on that platform. All the best traders I knew were using that platform. And so that cost to me helped me build like my familiarity with it, even though I couldn't actually make recoup any of the costs. And because I was kind of reverse entering the process again. Totally. That's what I was hearing. What they do. You were being strategic like you had been with the gaming. Maybe it took a year for you to kind of like realize, okay, I have to play this the same way. Mm -hmm. Completely Mm -hmm. strategic. It's amazing. I mean, honestly, to figure that out in only a year, Brian, I mean, I think we both know there's a lot of traders out there have been in the game a lot longer than that who don't ever figure that out. They don't get the memo that you got to be strategic. It's brilliant. Well, okay, so it, there there are people who have been playing the game that I played for over a decade, but there are also there was also a kid who was like 15, 16 years old who won first place. He won over like $7 million. Wow. And you have to ask yourself, okay, so how does... How do how does someone who's dedicated ten years of their career uh, get beat out by like a fifteen sixteen year old? Well, it comes down to actually, uh, well, number one, he's standing on the shoulder of giants. You have to imagine that he had more resources available to him. Yep. But more yep. importantly, I feel is the time commitment. So when I looked mm, at sure. trading, I said, hey, if I work eighteen, you know, sixteen eighteen hours a day, then somebody who's putting an equal amount of days in the year, I will I could double them or triple them with my effort. So you can't really compare like the experience of just one year. It was literally a year of like full intense focus all day long. And that's how I kind of like learned to catch up. But that you learned from your gaming experience and journey. It's also Mm -hmm. like an incredible amount of patience that you had with yourself when, you know, you're learning and all of this is happening, but then you find out, You've been learning, I guess, not learning the wrong way, but learning some, maybe some poor habits along the way and then Mm -hmm. being able to adjust there and not just like give up. I know a lot of people, that's a lot of people with trading, you know, they're like, they just want to make, they get sold on the motivation, the inspiration, and then they just like kind of let it go. Um, (laughs) Where where you uh, very obviously uh, Mm -hmm. were committed to it and that's it. The patience for that was outstanding. Was Was there like a plan B? No, then that's probably what helped me as well. I just, I mean, um, it got to the point where in my relationship with my fiance now, she basically told me, hey, if this, if this trading thing falls through, like we're done. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because um, I just can't put up with uh, the uncertainty. And for me, it was not a matter of, uh, like I did kind of burn the boats in a sense, but for me, it was a certainty in that I knew I would get there eventually just required time so i also had to say you know be patient be patient these things take time and uh 
because it, possibly because I had done it already in another field. You know, I had that self-belief in myself, but and maybe she had self-belief as well or belief in me because of that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I kind of understood like what the process of becoming uh, elite at anything kind of entails. Yep. It's just really time, effort, and just putting as much in as you can. What is, Brian, the things you leaned into after that year and that realization, okay, this is not going the way I want it to be going. What do you feel happened for yourself? How did you get yourself emotionally kind of reset to go back and be the strategic, uh, have the strategic approach? Yeah, so realizing that I needed to kind of pay up for my education was was the first thing. Just um, it wasn't even really the education itself. It was that uh, I could find people who were like minded to myself. So basically, as soon as I dropped, I dropped five k on this room, right? I didn't. I had like forty k to my name, so it was a pretty big investment. And uh, I immediately once I joined, I said, "Hey, is anybody in here want to?" uh, you know, connect and work together. Let's, let's solve this thing together. And I met one of my very best like, trading friends in that. And wow. we've just kind of built a group together where we could kind of support each other, learn together. And that was honestly kind of priceless, just that friendship. Like I finally had someone calling me up at the end of the day, like a hard day or a good day to say, hey, you know, how are you doing, Brian? And we used to trade together and uh, we built this nice little friend group. And just from that, just like knowing other people are going through it and sharing with each other. That was like, that was huge. That's, that's so great. I'm so happy to hear that you did that, that you were vulnerable enough to ask for that support. And, you know, I think with all the different, like I do some speak coaching sometimes on Instagram and different conversations I'll have with traders that, you know, are just like, Hey, what do I do? Point me in the right direction. The first thing I tell everybody is you've got to have the moral support because very few people outside of trading are going to be able to empathize with you and or give you that, hey, how was your day uh, and hold space for you if they aren't in it. So I'm just, it's like one of the things I recommend right at the gate, it is lonely, get some kind of moral support. And that that you did that right at that particular junction seems Mm -hmm incredible that you that you were thinking that way and that you were vulnerable enough to ask for that i'm so happy to hear that and i'm, and I'm not surprised with that as your foundation how far what what's possible with it almost anything's possible with that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and uh you know just it kind of blossoms that that idea of that uh connecting and, and networking that that's mm-hmm. something like that was one of the things that I failed at in my gaming career. So again, I learned that like I had this friend who was just making friends with everybody and he had endless opportunities, even though I was maybe more qualified than him. Uh, he got to play with a lot of really great players. And I was like, wow, you know, like I didn't spend any time uh, networking with anyone. I was just so wrapped up in myself. And so uh, in trading, I kind of resolved to just make as many friends as possible, reach mm-hmm. out to as many people as I could. Yeah. Cause I know the I kind of saw the power in it. And yep. it's also just, it's just nice to, to build that network. And so like, that's something I would definitely recommend. And how do, how did I start meeting people? It's like, you have to kind of demonstrate value or that you're trading like similarly to somebody. So sometimes I would, I would just look on Twitter and like find people like, Oh, this guy is so good. 
And I would just always reach out to him and like just be on his radar. And eventually, like we we both had two different groups and we decided to just merge them together. Wow. We just had like this huge like group of people with all these different like we were trading the same stuff, but we all had these different <coughs> perspectives and we just like we just really ramped up from there. Brian, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like that's how you and I first connected. I think you connected to me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and 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 you just wrote some like really good DMs to me asking great questions and I was like, "Hey, who's this guy?" Like cuz I have to be honest, I didn't recognize who you are or what you were up to or the level you were playing at, but I just thought this is a person who's really asking a deep thoughtful question and that alone made me put my antenna up. So, you did that like that to me is like it's a secret weapon. It's a secret weapon. Yeah. And I think people are really um, kind of underestimated too. And I, like, I hate to just draw so many parallels to gaming because it's like, you don't want to be like cheesy like that. But like as somebody, like at the time, this was a couple of years ago, I had like 30K followers on Twitter, on my main uh, Twitter. And uh, if someone DM me, like I would respond. And so I kind of realized from the opposite end of that, chain it's like people are more available than you think yes and if you and if you come respectfully if you show that you've kind of done your work and you don't ask like lazy questions like people are happy to interact with people and like there have been people who come at me respectfully and they don't expect it one like a couple months later i might say hey let's let's have a call and see how you're doing and it just completely catches them off guard and it's like i like to reward people who yeah. show me that they're, you know, putting in the time because I want to help them get better. And so I, I'm not really hesitant to reach out to people because I kind of, I, as long as you're not just being a total douche, like you know, <laughs> totally. people are, are receptive, like everyone's a human. Totally. When, when I was writing my book, uh, you know, I approached some very famous people and I remember, you know, being nervous and thinking it would, it would suck to hear no and it would suck to like get rejected. But I was willing to take that risk. And I remember afterwards when I was talking to a couple of different like publishing companies, they were like, hey, how did you get so-and-so? Like so-and-so, Mr. Famous, Mr. Famous. I was like, I asked and they were like, <laughs> like you didn't have an intro from somebody else famous. I was like, no, I just called, <laughs> emailed, st- stayed on top of it. Like that was the most surprising thing to people around me. They were like, you got so-and-so just by calling. I was like, you know, most people just don't ask what's the worst that can happen. They say no, they don't respond, you know? And, and the crazy thing is when you talk about Twitter, Fred Wilson, who is one of the Wall Street 50 in my book, he's, you know, very famous. He's a very kind of like established. And I wrote his office three times and called three times, never got anywhere. And you know how I got him, Brian? He was on Twitter in Paris on vacation with his family. And he just tweeted something about that. And in that moment, I thought, well, he's on now. So I direct messaged him and said, I'm trying to get a hold of you for my book. Would you let me do an interview with you? And he wrote me back a DM while in Paris in, on vacation with his family. Like, that's what's possible if you just take that risk. And 
that's what you did, Brian. And I, and, and I just love it. I just love it because it's just, it's a secret weapon. It's a secret weapon. Yeah, I, I love, uh, I like all those, uh, like those cliche kind of sayings, like just, at, you know, ask and it's given. Like that was one, of, that was the thing that got me into everything because um, when I first started competing, like this, the game I wanted to compete in was in, it was in closed uh, beta, which means that it's invite only. And so I had no way in. I didn't have any connections. I, I wasn't competing at a high level beforehand. Um, so I just messaged the developer and I said, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a year off of school and I really want to do this. I'm going to try my best and I'm going to compete and I want to go to this tournament. And uh, he actually rolled me back the next day and gave me an invite and he wished me good luck. And we ended up being the second team to be invited to this tournament out of the top 16 in the world the first team that got invited were the returning champions. So it was a huge honor to be recognized by him as being one of the most committed teams um, to compete in that game. I'm just coming from nothing. How, how can you not admire and acknowledge somebody when they're ballsy enough to write you a, a message and say, hey, I know it's beta. Hey, I know I don't have an invite, but I want one. Like that to me is somebody who's saying, I am so hungry for this that I, how do you, how do you reject that? How do you not admire that and say, yeah, brother, here you go. I thought you wouldn't even see it, to be honest. I thought it would just stack up with all the other messages. It's amazing. But you know, that is what's happening now. Like that's what's so beautiful is your generosity to the people that do reach out to you now. And I've seen you respond to people and they're, and they're shocked and they're surprised, but it's like you, you really do get what you give right and and you did that at that point and now you're you're it's like the circle continues you got somebody did that to you and now you are Mm -hmm. paying it forward yeah and it's pretty spectacular so just want to acknowledge you for that not everybody does that brian so it's really awesome that you do it you're coming from a place of generosity when you do as opposed to scarcity and that's pretty rare in this world you know yeah I think I there's just, a lot to that. Um, sorry. Like coming, you're coming from places of generosity and because anytime I feel like we are acting out of scarcity, it's, yeah. it's the wrong decision, or at least myself. Like whenever I look back on a decision I made, it's like, that was because I was afraid. I was afraid yeah. I was going to lose this. And, and then I think about it and it's like, that was, I, re- I regret that. And mm-hmm. it's usually out of scarcity. So if we can, I mean, if we can make that shift, that's, that's huge. Yeah. For sure. So, so tell the audience, you know, how we met and uh, yeah, why don't you, if you're, you know, comfortable sharing that, how the, how the whole journey that we've had together has kind of unfolded. Yeah. So I, I saw Kim first on the study trade podcast um, and I, I really was drawn to her because I, I love the way that she spoke her energy, the, the things that she was talking about her background and uh, specifically with just her relation to, you know, Campbell and the hero's journey and having kind of felt a close connection to that journey myself, I was really interested to hear um, if she would share with me like kind of her thoughts. And um, I kind of felt that we might have an understanding. So I reached out to her and I got in connection with uh, Lucas and I asked if I could just speak with Kim and um, we started talking and then eventually um, I started working with Kim um, with with her coaching 
And so we've been just doing that on and off for, well, not on and off every two weeks for a couple of months now. And uh, it's really great because I've been able to kind of focus on the things that I really, really want to work on because it's just so hard for people to relate um, not only to trading, but also just high uh, success. And, you know, it's just not, it's very hard to find someone who can relate to that or just has, uh, you know, works with people like that. And so uh, I, I kind of wanted to improve myself and keep my form while I was on top versus people usually uh, they cheap out and they, and then they end up needing it later and they start, you know, trying to call their way back. So for me, it was just like, I want to maintain this. I want to have a sustainable career. I want to be in this for as long as possible uh, mentally and with my health. And I felt that Kim was the, the best person to reach out to. And I'm glad that we're doing a lot of work and I've, you know, I've, I've done some really deep uh, exploration of myself and learned a lot about some of the unconscious behaviors. And I think that, you know, for a lot of the people who are watching this, uh, looking for the trading, I think this would be a great podcast to look at um, from the perspective of that coaching, uh, self-coaching, um, just identifying some hidden things within yourself. And that's some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about today because it is really important um, to me right now. And I think it would be important to a lot of people once they get out of the, uh, the grind, grind, grind mode, like how do you find the sustainability? And, uh, you know, at this point, it's kind of like, I, I don't really need more. And I, I kind of want to take more uh, for myself to meet my own needs and uh, just li- like be, you know, very happy and uh, balanced. What, what do you think, you, because you, you know, gave me permission before this conversation, talk, talk about your coaching, but what do you feel thus far the coaching is facilitating for you? Uh, it's it just, I'm, I am introspective naturally, but I tend to introspect on the things that uh, are more, you know, like career driven. Uh, so I tend to ignore a lot of uh, the parts of myself, like just like the physical physicality of my body. Like I have learned kind of how to suppress like hunger and uh, pain and stuff like that. And so, you know, when you, you can, it's just kind of, it's not common sense, but you can kind of see how there, there is definitely a connection of mind and body. And when you kind of neglect one aspect of it, I feel like, uh, the conclusion that I came to is it's just not sustainable. Uh, so just like taking time for myself and, you know, things like, uh, meditating or just, uh, noting when there's a, like a, you know, we talk about the inner gremlin, like the, the voice that's kind of speaking for me when I'm not really thinking, like kind of hijacking me, especially in, in terms of trading where it's, it's really easy to, you know, you see so many people killing it here and there. There's always going to be someone better than you. Uh, not only that, but while you're in the trades, you also have to manage your own emotion about things. Otherwise you'll end up making mistakes. And so just to kind of like, for me, probably the thing that's been helping a lot right now is just kind of being more aware, more mindful, uh, noticing when I'm, acting out of myself and just taking more control, like more autonomy uh, over my decision-making and how I feel and um, just taking more time for myself. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you seen by way of uh, your own journey with other fellow traders? 
what is it that they bump into the most? Let's say first to those who are more sophisticated and experienced peers, such as, you know, peers that you have, where do you see them have their stuckness? Stuckness. Um, well, I do, I do think there is a lot of uh, comparison, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, to, it is a kind of a competitive game, even though you're by yourself. Uh, it's really hard not to see all these traders killing it and want to like take part. Uh, it's partly entertaining, but on, on the other end, it can really affect you psychologically in terms of like wanting to size up to to meet them, to have this ego about yourself, um, to kind of even you know it, it's it's not great to say, but like. In some cases, people, you know, like revel in other people's losses, even. Sure. Um, like, that's why I kind of just, uh, to me, like with my process, I've just kind of developed systems to avoid uh, things like that. So I just mute all the traders who make me feel bad. Uh, I also just like, <laughs> uh, I try to systematize my process as much as possible so that I don't have to make as many decisions so that I'm not being emotional. That's and awesome. so I kind of like talked all those emotions away <laughs> so that I could just do my job. That's amazing. And, uh, that, what, just... what else besides those two very, very powerful tools that you've put in place? It's like you've, you've baked, you pre-baked some of the recipe. You put like, it sounds mm-hmm. like you prepare the eggs in the fridge. You know, I can't help. I, even though I don't know how to cook or bake. I was going to say, hold on, what <laughs> are we everybody making? Says, everybody <laughs> says that the easiest and best way to cook is to do all the prep work first. It sounds like you're doing all the prep work. Again, that yes. strategic mind of yours, going back to your gaming, being strategic, coming up, starting at the end, working your way back, reverse engineering, right? So- you, you've muted the traders that perhaps you're tempted to compare yourself to. You have your system as systematized as possible so you're not having to make an emotional decision. What, what else are you doing? Uh, just every, everything. I, I make everything as efficient and systematized as possible. Like I can press, I mean, it's not even just like the emotional aspect, but just in all my work, I try to make everything as automatic as possible. Uh, I don't, I don't use like algorithms or anything, but, uh, I can, I can trade with just, I don't even have to really look at the level two or the chart even. I can kind of just press the button. And um, I have learned how to, to kind of accept the outcome that, uh, you know, the system's not always going to be perfect because like systematic, systemat- systematic traders will t- end up losing a little bit more um, than someone who's like fully discretionary. But at the end of the day, I don't have to deal with like the emotional upswings and downswings. Yeah. And so the trade-off for me is, is pretty good. Um, yeah. Whether or not, did, like, did you everything. know that these systems would serve you early on? Did you over, so, so let's say from that first year when you realized, okay, this is not working. And then you started, that's like what, three years ago, give or take. Mm-hmm. Did those, those, did these systems or particular kind of safety valves that you put in place start then or did you develop them over time no i got i got humbled i i blew up my account and uh i, I lost like almost hundred thousand dollars um that i built up from like uh twenty five thousand, 
at, through that first year, or well, that is kind of like a second year almost. And uh, that's when I realized that um, no matter how uh, how well you do, if you don't have kind of like a plan for when things go wrong in, every, in almost every situation, then you're still able to lose a lot of money. And so uh, the start of everything was just implementing probably my most important and first uh, major system, which was the max loss on my account. And so what that does is just kind of, once I hit my unrealized or realize the loss, it won't let me enter any more trades. I can only exit and I cannot continue trading. And so that has helped me a lot with just uh, stepping away because um, it, honestly, if it wasn't there, I would still I would still trade. And there's plenty of days where I, I know that I want to override the thing. And if I did, then I would actually take a lot of losses. And sometimes I do, and I do take more losses, but I do it uh, kind of, in a, I even have a system for when I break my max loss rule, like how much I will increase it yeah. or how I might have a contingency plan. And I have a, I have a YouTube video about it called the uh, Odi- uh, something at Odysseus complex, something like that. It's just, uh, it's a, it's basically, I think so far ahead that's like, if I knew it was a problem, I would email, I would call my broker and tell them if I call them or email them, then don't do it anymore. Like, you know, thinking ahead of mm-hmm. being ahead and that helps a lot with just everything. Planning, planning for all the emotions that are going to be driving mm-hmm. you later. Yeah you're putting in, it sounds to me like, you know, batting down the hatches. You're like, you have three or two or five layers between you and that emotional kind of very strong pull to break your own uh, rules. Mm -hmm. It's really, really brilliant that you know, like, I think that's what's so fascinating to me is when I speak to the traders that really think they're going to be in the heat of battle, be unemotional. And I'm like, <laughs> you are a human being. Yeah. How could you be? Have you never like said the wrong thing at the wrong moment? <laughs> like if you've ever done that, that tells you you're probably not going to be logical in the yeah, heat of battle. Right? <laughs> like when you get in an argument, you're, you're going to say things you don't actually mean. <laughs> regret later. Yeah. This is, or you do mean them and you should have kept your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. This is something that like I talk about a lot with new traders is setting, having a stop loss before you have like a price target. And it's like, this is exactly, and just set it as soon as you take the mm-hmm. trade mm-hmm. and just do like, you can't touch it. Like, and if, and so that's basically what you've done, but further down the path, because uh, I mean, it, that's when you're the most reasonable, right? Is when you're not, when you're detached from it and you're not in it. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great system to have on top of your system. <laughs> a system on a system on a system. <laughs> that's a long it's, line. <laughs> it's gotta be, it's gotta be there for all things. I mean, especially because of the, the world we live in and, you know, the accessibility to all the different things, like even on a diet, I remember, you know, my, the trainer I was working with, he was like, if your meals are prepped and they're in a certain portion and that's all that's in your fridge, Kim, you know, it's going to take a lot more effort to go break that. But if there's nothing in the house, but these little portioned meals, what do you think the chances are of staying on that? It's just Mm going to be much higher. It reminds me of, um, Brian, you spoke about it in 
uh, I forget which interview, but I listened to them. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. Um, my, my wife was reading it uh, this past summer and she told me, she was like, you have to read this because it's like everything you preach all the time. And it is yeah. just making, making systems that are easy, right? And like just the habits that form. And like you said earlier, these things just compound over time. And the little pieces that you start putting in now will just magnify over time. <laughs> that's like that's like the one of the number one or two books I recommend to everyone wow. who's a trader. It's so it's so powerful. Um, it's so pragmatic, and it's like affected everything that I do. Just looking at things through that lens, mm-hmm. and then it's funny that you mentioned compound because that's the second book I recommend is Compound Effect. Mm-hmm. So when you have these habits and systems, you improve them just ever so slightly every single day. Eventually, it's just something you don't even recognize. Like for example, right now. I can I can press one button. It will take every single screenshot of every chart that I traded today and it will name them and file them in a cloud on and put them in the right folder so that I don't have to use my hands because like I said I injured my my hands so I'm always thinking if I can reduce one click, if I can reduce one button press, how much will I save over the course of, you know, if I trade 30 years? Yeah. And so if you think everything little thing you do now how you can improve your life in the future. It's massive, even just one click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. I think, you know, the thing I'm thinking of for myself is when I first got exposed to nonviolent communication and the universal needs uh, work, I was overwhelmed at first because it was there were so many pieces and nuances to it. And I just remembered wanting to understand it all and fortunately for me, a, another person who really liked this work just said, let it just be in your day-to-day, Kim, in your little conversations and with the relationship you have to yourself. And over time, it'll become like instinct. And I, I really don't think I believed her at the time. I really yeah. thought, no, I have to study this and practice it. But now, you know, I almost have to caution, make sure I'm not talking too fast about it yeah. because it's such... A part of my lens that there's times I'm like talking about it and I know I've lost a person because I'm giving too much information about it yeah. at first. So I hope I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you start, talk, you start talking about needs and people are like, need what? Like water? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's actually like, there's actually like 50 plus of those. <laughs> Him send me a list. Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. All right. So what else here? So how do you cool off and get yourself back to neutral, right? When you when you have a rough day, when you have a rough week, uh, and and let's let's say trading, but but anything I'm curious about, because how you do one thing is how you do everything, I think. So what what is your go-to kind of neutralizer? Uh well I do I'm kind of very logical, very pragmatic. So I like to look at things in the grand scheme. And so first thing I do is I look at how things have been, you know, recently, how it's been on a larger time frame and then a larger time frame than that. And if I'm still par for the course, if everything's okay, you know, even if you have like kind of a drawdown in trading, it might just look like a dip for the next, you know, breakout. And uh, as long as, things are on that uptrend, I don't see why I need to change anything necessarily. Um, and, and But it, in life, in uh, my personal life, it's just, um, I like to, like funnily enough, I like to play competitive games uh, on the side. <laughs> yeah. 
it is relaxing because I don't have the pressure of like, oh, I want to be the best. Just like I'm playing to improve myself and I like that feeling. But uh, more so now, (laughs) but uh, more so now working with a kid, it's like a lot of it is um, just taking more moments for myself. Like I I do the meditation um, 10 minutes a day, just really not so much time investment, but uh, it does help clear my mind. And I find that actually the meditation does spill into life. Like um, in the meditation that I've been practicing, it's just, you kind of notice uh, sensations and I'm kind of disconnected with my body, but sometimes I I'll notice or like I'm paying more attention and I can point out like a feeling and um, simply by noticing these things, like it helps me dissipate that emotion or at least like feel through it rather than like not feeling it and just letting it, you know, bother you the whole day. And so, you know, for example, if I saw, if someone just slipped through the cracks and I saw it, some Twitter duty like kind of triggers me a little bit. I uh, kind of take a step back and like, I, I just say to myself like jealousy, like in my head, like notice, noticing jealousy. And I, and I've, I've done that a couple of times where like, it really does help just to, just to simply identify what you're feeling and how that makes you feel. Yep. So those things do like actually recharge me. And, and I also uh, practice a lot of gratitude and I try to like think of all the things that I'm fortunate for. And, uh, that helps a lot. Like I do it very often. That's awesome. When, when it feels like <clears throat> since we met that, that was that this has been a practice of yours for a very long time. What, what turned you on to the practice of gratitude? Well, it's basically what, it's just like what everyone says, you know, if you look it up online, it's, <laughs> they're like, you cannot be gra- gracious and angry at the same time. And, um, you know, I, I haven't tried to be, but, I definitely haven't felt angry at the same time. And it, it just puts things in, into perspective. Yeah. Uh, just recognizing like, hey, you know, I'm here because of this. And, you know, I'm so lucky. I'm so happy that I met these people or like I had these opportunities. And it's like now um, that I've kind of had more success, like I, I feel really bad when I see like, when I just go around and I see like kind of people work really hard for their living. And uh, I'm here, you know, like not wanting to miss a day because I'm just going to add more on top of the stack that doesn't ultimately really affect my life too much. And like, I'm feeling like I just need more and more. And like, what is that? You know, like, (laughs) why not um, appreciate how lucky like I am now in this, in this life. And that like brings me back down to like a more humble place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for the traders that are, we, we talked a little bit about the sophisticated traders. Like what, what's your advice to them? And what would be your advice uh, to those who are baby traders, new traders? Well, the, like a lot of the advice I give is it's meant for everyone. Like it's not, it's meant for, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you trade. Mm-hmm. Um, all these concepts apply to every, everything. But uh, a lot of the things that I preach are really just about, uh, taking as much of yourself out of it as possible, even though like, I think Kim would say there's like, a, in, there's some intuitive part of you that you can kind of grasp onto. But for now, like, while it's kind of, it, I know it's kind of weak, like I kind of succumb to my emotions sometimes. Like I like to put as many systems on things as possible so that I make the correct decisions um, by design rather than uh, how I feel. Mm-hmm. And 
when you combine that with you know proper risk management the emotions really fade away and when you take humble position sizing and you also kind of arch that on like a grander uh scheme of like your life like i want to i'm not here to yolo all my money into gamestop like i want to be <laughs> trading as for as long as i can yeah. and so like it doesn't really matter to me whether or not i risk one percent of my account because at the end of the day like someone can yolo and lose it all whereas i'm going to be able to take a, literally 100 losses in a row if if not more and that's just very hard when you are refining your craft so long and uh, when you just combine that with <clears throat> all the things i talk about about risk reward and everything like that just it just boils down to having a bigger winner than than losers uh, yeah. more often than not yeah. and if you could and if you could do that it doesn't matter what your what your risk uh, what your reward is at the end of the day it's just like there are just stats to how you'll hit that outcome like it's it's it can be predetermined almost like a like a casino is predetermined but your edge is just way bigger yes you win more than 50 percent of the time you win like 70 80 percent of the time um, with your edge so it's there's nothing to worry about you just execute your edge you don't get emotional you don't make uh crucial mistakes and uh, you don't risk more than you you can afford to and then you will it it happens like it compounds so fast like literally right now uh marty like within two months i'm already uh, more than half of my last year and last year was my best year ever so it's like wow uh congrats Brian. there's not there's no need to rush like you refine yeah. your systems you trade you scale it up so, like as you can and then you'll get there like it, it's more important how you're doing things rather than like that massive yolo wind yeah <laughs> like you want to be here forever yeah exactly and that's that's the beautiful thing about those like small like small losses that you can take for bigger wins and they don't have to be huge wins. I mean, if you, even if you're just, if you're making 5% every day, that's, I mean, people over time, that's huge. You're doubling your, your money every 20 days or something like that, maybe less 14 mm -hmm. days, but yeah. And people, I think, forget about that the way that compounding works. I mean, it's, it's the beautiful thing about the market. And so it's all about risk management. Yes. For sure. All right. So we have questions from Twitter, Brian. Some okay. you may have already saw. Some that you may just, we just gotten a few minutes ago. So Lucas <laughs> really? is going to be uh, very generous with helping us read them and uh, see what they have to say. Yeah. Let's then, see. Let's see what we're looking at here. All right. I'm going to ask this question because I'm not sure what it means, but I have a feeling that it's a inside joke. Is the cat a good trading companion? How do you avoid fat paws on trades? <laughs> my cat doesn't that doesn't think my keyboard is different than my desk so he walks <laughs> all over the keys and like logs me out of the computer so I, I literally just have like a spray bottle i just i'll threaten him with a spray bottle and now that he knows like if i just hold it up he'll just jump off <laughs> so luckily that he's been strategic about even handling the cat <laughs> getting a spray bottle that's funny um another one is um so how do you balance uh, trading in real life? And I feel like this is anyone who mm. trades and maybe this can tie back to, you know, when you first started, you spent so much time, you know, 16 or 18 hour days. That's, I, I don't know anyone who has been that committed to learning anything <laughs> unless they went to like the military. <laughs> Because I don't like I that's why I'm talking to Kim because <laughs> I've like I'm literally a workaholic and uh, 
like my fiance is like why don't you sleep in today you've been so tired all week i'm like no i gotta kill february and um <laughs> like i am tired i'm i'm really tired sometimes but uh you know i i, I think it'll be different when uh i can there are more opportunities outside like just it's kind of like covid like i feel like mm. if i slept in i could have been here like but i don't know like I, that that's the that's the uh, golden question i think for a lot of uh successful traders like how do you stop how do you flip the switch from like mm. you know what what got you to this point might not serve you anymore yeah and so you have to kind of you either live with that and kind of make more sacrifices or you identify it and you like realize like you know it is it holding you back is it something that you that's not actually true but you cling on to right so right. i'm just working on that right now so it's a really good question. And that and that's the heart, I think, for everybody who, you know, also loves what they do, right? And yeah. finds a value in it because it's, you know, and, and it's something that is part of that practice of is whatever I'm doing costing me potentially in ways that I'm not conscious to. And uh you know, the more self-aware we all become, the more we can answer that question honestly. I think, and and it's and it's yeah. I, and I don't know that the answer is always the same. I think each moment, each day, each week, there's going to be different motor motives or factors involved, and uh, and then and then you know, over time we keep being the observer of ourselves, a neutral observer of ourselves. And if it's, you know, goes on and on and on, then it's not a one-off. It might be, it might be some sort of default setting that, you know, could have served our served us at some point, but now maybe is costing us more than serving us. And that's exactly you know, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's it's like that no it is that noticing, just being self-aware, I think. Yeah. yeah. So exactly what you said. Yeah. For yeah, sure, for sure. Which I think some people it's it's easier said than done, but you know, yeah. it's just it's just work, it's practice. It, it's easier said than done too. I think I just want to say this is because most of us have been culturally indoctrinated to blame ourselves when we so I think it's hard for most people to be self-reflective because mm -hmm. they don't know how to be self-reflective and not beat the hell out of themselves. They don't they they see those two as the same and when i say to people like don't beat yourself up for it they're kind of like well i don't know how to hold this any other way <laughs> yeah and i and i'm like well it's that feeling of beating yourself up that keeps you from being able to be self-aware because it's like you have an expectation that you've learned through the culture or family of origin you come from that something's wrong something's yeah. bad with you Something is go is going to make you feel ashamed, and I'm like, if you are, are if you're going to walk into a feeling of shame, who's going to want to look at that? Nobody, because yeah. shame yeah. is shitty. I think I think it is a it, it is <laughs> it is the culture we live in. We we talked about this uh, yesterday on a call about like the judgment index we do. It seems like everyone has uh, like some of their lowest scores are like their self criticism and self-esteem totally. scores and i think it is yeah. just part of how hard we are on ourselves and most of these people are like very successful like exactly. people who are doing great things and exactly I, 
Exactly. So. And, and that was what you noticed yesterday with whatever judgment index that just came in for another client. We were, I'm just like, Lucas was like, have you noticed that they all have like the, the numbers around self-criticism are like really high. And I'm like, what the hell? Like these are the last people on earth who should be self-criticizing. And yet, you know, there it is. So this is, I think it's just the nature of our times, the nature of our, you know, there's a perfectionism and also, you know, I'm not going to say the names of these people, but the people who are the advocates of the hustle, you know, they just, mm-hmm. and, and yesterday on Instagram, there were two traders, Brian, that one of them in particular was saying he feels so, he doesn't even know how to give himself rest because in the rest, he feels guilty in the not working. He's like, I can't even just not work and not read a book. Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. hundred percent. And that, that's, that's just it. Like those people who become successful or who strive for this kind of success are like those that self-critical, like taking responsibility, the things that they always say, like take massive responsibility, uh, don't sleep, you know, just work harder, outwork everybody. You know, like those things help you at the beginning, but it's not a sustainable practice. Like it, I think like it is somewhat necessary. Like that, that's what I would say just in the beginning um, because it helps you catch up or just like learn as much as you can. But like you have to look back and say like, is this something I still need to do? Like at what point does it stop mattering? What are there diminishing returns? Is it not? Yeah worth it now yeah for sure and and i think you know it's this constant balancing act like you know i i i obviously love what i do and i have a tendency to overwork because because i want to get these tools out to as many people as possible but but i also know like you know last week was a, a very challenging week for me and i had to say to myself okay I have to turn up the volume on the self-care. And I, I couldn't even turn it up last week. So I've had to kind of put it into this week because there wasn't time to do that last week. So I guess there's just a part of me that wants to say for anybody listening, it's not like you find this and you do it and you're done. It's just always having to be adjusted. Like, you know, I'm thinking of what's the board, like a sound board in a studio. There's a million dials and sometimes each dial has to be tweaked. So you're not going to do it perfectly, but it's like, okay, last week I was very conscious of, wow, didn't exercise. I didn't get enough meditation time. I didn't get to talk to a couple of really close friends who hold space for me. And this is why I'm feeling so kind of cooked from the week. And so um, this week, you know, getting out on my new bicycle and like f- making sure I'm getting these conversations and of love and support, encouragement, or just holding space for me because I didn't get it last week. So it's, it's, it's just constantly paying attention to the dials. You watch those guys in a sound studio. I'm sure most of that gets to be uh, automated as well, but that sense of nuance that they're paying attention to, I just think we're built the same way. Um, all right, cool. I'm going to ask you another question, Brian, uh, from, from Twitter that you replied sure to, (laughs) it says, uh, what, uh, what inspired you to build your custom indicators or use whatever custom indicators you use? You don't have to tell us your indicators, Mm. but the inspiration for it. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So it's basically kind of identifying your strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, we can all use the same, we can all trade the same pattern or you see the same things, but uh, everyone's going to be better or worse at different things. And so for me, I kind of listed out the things I wish I was better at and the things that I'm good at and I want to be, I want to perform better at as well. Mm. And so the indicators help me um, with everything, just like position sizing. Just for example, uh, if my first entry is superior in a lot of ways to my second entry, there's no reason to divide my entries equally. I'd want to put more impact and more weight on that first one or vice versa. For some people, that second entry is better. Mm. The first entry might just get them in the trade, get them focused. And uh, in other cases, there are things that I want to incorporate into my strategy that nobody else can do for me. And a lot of times it it does have to come down to that automating what you're weaker at. So for example, I have a really nasty habit of chasing. And so I realized that kind of, you know, uh, it's usually when the price is really depressed and I want to, you know, it looks so weak, I want to short some more. But a lot of times there's a, it's going to bounce from that point. So I kind of, I can code in indicators that'll say like, hey, don't short here, it's not good. I can change the colors of the bars. I can visually put it on my screen so that I don't have to make that determination. I've made that determination beforehand and it's gonna help me see what I plan to do. And that can also be done for other parts of my process. That's just one example. So both visually and you know, uh, even adding text or pop-ups, sounds, um, visualize how you visualize things. So on my, like on my market scanner, what colors I, you know, interpret as bad, like red or green as good, or, you know, just how do you perceive things? How can you quickly identify what you need to do without having to make the determination right then and there? That's yeah. what those indicators help me do. And it helps me be a better trader. And it might not, it's not just like, oh, the RSI is up, I'm going to short. It's more nuanced like that. It's, it takes into account a lot of things that I think about, things that I wish I could do quicker and things that if the computer can do it for me, why not? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Again, strategic, that strategic lens, Brian, is what I, what I hear with that answer. Yeah. You're, you're doing everything from a place of the least amount of friction mm -hmm. uh, as possible. Yeah. It's impressive. Uh, just always <laughs> looking one step ahead, but I guess it probably happened over time, right? Like, yes. yeah. Seeing those falls every day. That's like, <laughs> that's like, uh, every day. The reason, the reason why I love trading more than the money is that at the end of each day, I have a notepad and I write down things I wish was better or things that I need to fix. Like, even if it's one little tweak, oh, move that UI over here because your head, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to look up or fix that tool, add a hockey for this, add a hockey for that. And just seeing how that one change every single day, like that feeling of progress is something that I really, really enjoy. And I, and you can only get that by just experiencing the market. You, you wouldn't know that otherwise. And every single day it adds up.
Yeah. It's, it's almost like I, I think of like an Olympian, you know, an Olympian is going to be very conscious of every piece of food he puts in his body that that becomes fuel. Uh, is that way his foot lands on the track? Is that causing some slowdown? Like, I, it just feels like you're looking at everything in a way from the top of the mountain down on the valley. And then you're also going down into the weeds and looking at those places as well it's like you're doing both which i think is of critical uh importance especially because it's the most competitive game in the world like mm -hmm. here more than ever do you have to look at the valley from above and be in weeds looking up at what is ahead it's really something brian yeah last thing i want to say about that is uh you know it 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 does happen over time so that's why I really recommend reading the compound effect. It it goes over how just that incremental change every day adds up. When you pair that with atomic habits, it's if you think about a career and if you think about how much time you're willing to put into something, it can transform your life. And I and the number one question I ask myself, the thing that I like to do when I have no ideas is how can I make this better? Or What's something that I wish was more efficient? <laughs> and like a lot, of, a lot of things that used to annoy me, like my review process used to take well over 45 minutes to just screenshot everything, name everything. I literally have three buttons that does the whole process within 10 minutes. So wow. I, I cut the time down a lot by just asking these questions. And if I didn't ask those questions, I would never come to an answer. I would just be okay with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's like, it's like uh, you know, I don't know if I've said this or not before, but that, that poem that I love by Rilke that talks about living the questions, it, it mm -hmm. seems as though there's a philosophy of your approach that is you being in an inquiry all the time. And you can't mm -hmm. be in inquiry and know it all at the same time. You, 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 it just systematically doesn't work. To be an inquiry, you have to be curious and you have to be coming from a place of neutrality. That's what I hear. You're, that is your really incredible strength. It's a really incredible strength, Brian. Yeah, and I screw up all the time. Like, I'll add something. Like, for example, I blacked out all my bars to, to not want to short it. And I look at it. The next day, I'm like, oh, this is really dis distracting. It's really ugly. Like, I don't want this. And so <laughs> sometimes it's just testing things out over and over again, see what fits. Mm -hmm. I just write in my notes, okay, remove that. And then, you know, I tried. It was a decent idea. It, it's not always just positive. It's sometimes just like push and pull. Of course not. But, um, it's not. It doesn't need to be positive because the one, the one or two things that are positive make up for all the other yeah. ones that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Do uh, we, have, we have more questions, right? From yeah, Twitter? We, we'll maybe do a couple more if that's Just okay. Just a couple more. If that's okay yeah. with you, Brian, we've had you a long time. So yeah. thank you for yeah. being here. So let's time. Yeah. Uh, this is a question that somebody asked that I also was kind of curious about is um, uh, what kept you going when every small cap seemed to just keep going up and hearing about short sellers blowing up every day? Um, how'd you keep the faith in your system mm. and come back even stronger? And I was wondering the same thing because I feel like 
I have the complete opposite approach. Like I primarily swing long just because uh -huh. I don't love looking at the screens all day. Um, and I do a lot of other things, uh, <laughs> but you just short selling and everything just continues to hit all time highs. It's like that had to be so frustrating. And all these people, like I, I think I saw on Twitter the other day, you posting something with um, like people on Twitter who are obviously pumping things. Oh, yeah. And like you might be, I don't know. I just imagine being in those positions and then somebody just fires off a tweet and gets, you know, a hundred million dollars of volume into this, like in two minutes. That's so unfair. So but yeah. How do you feel about all that? <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think the diff the thing that a lot of the new traders are going to learn is that uh, you don't, always have the perfect market environment uh for me i've gone through years of the same patterns the same strategy overlaying that i have risk management i have a risk reward profile that is test time tested and even in a bull market i'm still able to succeed if it ever turned the other way it would be even better but the thing about it is that i'm not really worried about what he or she is doing because I'm looking for sustainability and the long term. I can I can execute my strategy every single day of the year and I can probably do that for as long as you know there's no severe technical limitations or some rule change. And not only that, but I have the confidence in it because I've seen lived and traded through the ups and downs. Even during this time, it's possible to take advantage of all this exuberance because at the end of the day, it's market mechanics. Like at some point, everything is going to mean revert. Now, it doesn't mean that the stock cannot continue up. Like it, it's spiking up. It's going to have to take a breather. It's going to have to pull back. I'm not saying everything belongs in, you know, below zero or bankruptcy. I'm just saying that if you're going to bid it up a thousand percent, there's going to be a pullback and I can take advantage of that. The great thing about short selling is there's a level of consistency to it and that I don't necessarily have to find the play. The play kind of comes to you mm -hmm. and it's a much easier to let them come to you than to always look for the next hot thing. Sift, yeah. And I feel that, it, yes, and a lot of the market at the moment is a lot of these companies are, they don't really deserve to be at these prices in my opinion. It <laughs> doesn't really matter, but at some point, I don't know when, you know, it, it cannot last forever. And if and even if it does, I don't really mind because uh, it's not affecting my strategy. As as you can see, most uh, short sellers who are blowing up are the ones who didn't really respect the game to begin with, the ones who don't have the rules and the process. For me, it's not really, you know, I don't really care what market it is. I don't care what's going on. It's, yeah, it's a little more stressful, but at the end of the day, if a lot of these people want to get into the market, it creates a huge amount of liquidity for people like me where it didn't exist before. And that means that compounding scaling up is extremely possible for a lot of us. It, sorry. And for me, um, you know, every single month, every single week, I'm just getting better and better having, you know, more success. So it doesn't really matter to me. I, I'm not really there to jump on the next hype train. I'm doing what I do. And that's why I mute all these traders. I don't need to see what they're doing. I'm completely self-sufficient and I don't really care what anyone has to say about the market. So good, so good. Are there are there any other like really hot questions, or is it okay? I'm gonna jump in to ask him another question. Yeah, please do. 
Brian, what did you, what, if anything, did you want to say to, you know, I do think we have an eclectic audience that watches these. So what do you feel maybe you didn't say that you want to say or hope to say in this conversation today? To traders or to anybody who's an entrepreneur, you know? Well, I would say that uh, in anything, whether it's trading or just whatever pursuit that you're going after, it there. In my opinion, there are kind of like these. There's kind of like a path, and it's not always just straight up. You know, every every path has its hardship, and every path has a struggle, and it really helps to kind of model uh, any type of person who's found success in anything. Like how what were the building blocks like see beneath the actual specifics of what they did more like their attitudes toward it toward it some of the trials and tribulations because you know the re the only reason why i was able to do what i was was able to do now is because i had the confidence and i've lived through that process so applying that to any i feel that i could apply that to any other pursuit if i had the the passion for it or not even the passion, but rather just the ability to kind of weather the storm. And, uh, you know, as for my traders, like I, a lot of the things, if you notice a lot of the messages I try to get across are for the people who are in a position where they don't have that perspective and no one's giving it to them. And it's something that I wish I would have had a long time ago because just for example, one of the things that I tell people a lot of times is no matter who you are when you're getting to trading, like a lot of the people that I've seen blow up, like not blow up like their account, but blow up uh, with success, like people who have really had success, major success in this field, it's taken them, taken them about three years of concentrated effort to really hit that level. Um, as far as I can tell, it kind of follows this uh, framework where it's like, First year, you don't really know what you're doing. You're just feeling everything out. It, it honestly doesn't really matter if you have the perfect strategy because uh, there are so many things that you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. That's yeah. a big problem. You have to recognize that you're more naive than you are. A lot of people right now think they're a genius and that humility is going to come to bite them in the ass at some point. Second year, maybe they get humbled. Maybe they find something they're consistent at and you just keep focusing on whatever you're good at, whatever speaks to you, whatever got you results, just hone in on that. Yeah. Now's the time to focus. And then in that third year is when you could start ramping it up, bringing it to scale. And then at that point, all the work that you've done will kind of just build on top of each other. That's the launching point I've seen for a lot of people. Uh, but in any case, it really does matter what I said before about the amount of time you put into it. You can, you can say, oh, I traded for three years as a trader was why didn't I get there? How many hours did you put in per day? That's what I would ask. So if you can look at whatever you're trying to do as far as mastery success as a journey, rather than, uh, you know, look thinking, why am I not good enough? Uh, what's wrong with me? And just like, you know, having so much recency bias, like if you can just like broaden that scale a little bit, it will help a lot. And if, and you're lucky if you have other people who can go through that with you. And you're even luckier if you have somebody who can almost mentor you or give you their perspective who's been there and done that. Because uh, really, it's just about sticking to whatever you're doing, learning from all the mistakes, 
and just keep pushing forward if, if that's what you want to do. I feel like a lot of things are achievable with that mindset. It's awesome. Brian, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for giving us so much of your time. I know that your vulnerability and honesty and humility, it, it has such a huge impact because so many traders look up to you and want to understand how you have gotten to where you've gotten at, on your journey and that you're so willing to be forthright with them uh, as opposed to like, you know, putting it in a pretty little box, making it sound really easy. Like yeah. you just don't do that ever. And, and I, I just think that is such a service to the people coming up because you're being so honest about the challenges that are inevitable for everybody. It's, it's so refreshing. So thank you for that honesty to, to people. You know, I have to say in this year and a half, uh, the most time I've ever spent with day traders, you know, I probably got them a little bit over the years, but most of them were probably institutional kind of traders. And uh, I, I'm just so impressed that there's really good people here. There's really good people in this space, really kind, even encouraging to one another. Uh, and that I didn't expect. I have to be honest. I didn't see that coming. That was a surprise. Uh, even on the Instagram lives, you know, you got people there who don't even know each other watching somebody get coached for a couple of minutes. And it's like, you know, 10 people saying, you can do this. You got this. I'm like, you don't even know this guy. I feel like they just that sense of support, moral support that's in this industry it, among each other. I'm not saying there aren't jerks out there. There are, but it's really, it's a really special place. It's a really special place. So you make it special, Brian. So thank you for being part of, you know, sharing your journey with everybody. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Lucas. I, I really enjoyed being here and I hope that um, your podcast takes off. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. We, yeah. we, if we have viewers <laughs> like you, Brian, taking off or just touching those few that, you know, find value in it, we'll, we'll be happy. It'd be fun to have a takeoff because more people get the message. But right now, it feels like is doing the work it needs to do. And I'm happy and grateful. And I'm grateful for all your support because you always give me comments and likes. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and sometimes you're the only comment. I'm like, but I got one comment. It's from Brian. And I feel cheered on. <laughs> So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. So be well. You'll you'll let us have you come back on again, maybe in yes. the future. Okay. Anytime. Okay. Any every parting week. words? <laughs> what did she say? I said every week. Every week. <laughs> what do you think about that, Brian? <laughs> I'll be like uh, how Kim joined Steady Trade. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right well thank, thank you thank you thank you everybody for watching please you know we're going to give all of brian's uh handles well your twitter handle why don't you just say that out loud for everybody brian hmm. twitter at brian lee trades just my name plus trades mm -hmm. and from there in the pin post i just have a directory of all of the you know, my YouTube, my blog and everything like that. So you can perfect. find everything you need to find. Perfect. And, and Brian's blog is really great. So I highly recommend you guys uh, sign up for that and also his YouTube video. So there's, there's Brian is out there a lot and he's been interviewed. Uh, you were on chat with traders. I believe you were on confessions of a market maker with Ray and JJ. Uh, you've been on quite a number besides having your own YouTube channel. You've been on quite a lot of 
And, and every single one of those interviews are kind of different. You know, you, you speak to different things. So uh, please, guys, for your own sake, check out Brian, because all of these conversations he has, you're going to walk away learning more and more about the markets and about how you need to operate. So uh, do yourself a favor and do that. And we'll put them in the liner notes too, right, Lucas? So everybody click right through them. <laughs> Lucas is so on top of things. So thank you guys for watching. Give us your comments uh, in the in the line, you know, in YouTube, so we can hear what you liked about this conversation, what you feel I should have asked that I didn't, <laughs> um, and you know what what you want to see. You know, do you want to see more of these common conversations? You know, we'll make it happen. So thank you everybody for watching, and aloha for now. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with K-Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.